thank you for tuning in. This is Love What I Love, a podcast where we beg our partner to love something we do, whether it be a movie, TV show, or anything in between. We're your hosts, Andy and Masha, and this week we're talking about Raising Arizona. Raising Arizona is a 1987 comedy crime caper written, produced, and directed by Joel and Ethan Cohen. When an incompetent robber marries a policewoman, they soon discover they are unable to have children. When they learn that the Arizona family recently had a set of quintuplets, they decide to steal one for themselves, as the Arizonas already have too much to handle. That is a lot to handle. Five babies? Yeah. Oh, I couldn't imagine At it. the same time? Like, even if you're rich, it's like... Some of those kids are growing up probably like fucked up or just like emotionally like like just neglected neglected somehow yeah, yeah you know what I mean yeah that's a lot <laughs> so yeah like I said this movie came out in 1987 it had a budget of two million dollars and grossed 29.2 million mm-hmm. so it was a pretty solid success currently holds a Rotten Tomatoes of 91 percent on the critics 85, 85 on the audience. And uh, yeah, this was the second movie ever from the Coen brothers. So they were still young, young little bros. Wow. Back in the day. Early on, I remember when we did our last Coen movie, I think it was Burn After Reading. Yep. They usually do one genre and then switch it up. So were they doing that that early on in their career? Yeah. So this was actually like the birth of that. Oh, So they went at this kind of knowing that. A lot of directors and, and, and kind of any artists sometimes have that sophomore slump where they might come out the gate strong with some, with like their first project and then not really carry through on the second one. So for a number of reasons, they basically wanted to make a movie that was 180, 100% different than their first movie. Mm. So the first movie is called Blood Simple and it's this slow, quiet, dark drama where it's just, man, like no one's happy. It's just, it's really kind of just like methodical and it's it's like a throwback to old noirs like it's like a neo-noir and you know it's very like meticulous and really just like kind of slow paced and takes its time and builds the narrative and it's just depressing you know it's good but it's like it's you know it's a dark ass crime movie about you know okay and then so they figured make a movie still kind of based in crime but to go the complete opposite way so they wanted to go energetic colorful upbeat like super fast-paced the way basically they described it was like they wanted to make a living cartoon with this movie. Yeah. Like they wanted to make it feel like you're watching Bugs Bunny and and anything like any any of that stuff you grew up with, but with real people. All right. Pretty bold choice actually for you know your filmmakers and you know Blood Simple didn't like make tons of money, but it was a huge critical hit. Like it really put them on the map as like as the next filmmakers. Yeah. So like to then go from that to. It would be like, uh, I don't even know, like, if, you know, after Get Out, if Jordan, and, uh, and I was going to say if Jordan Peele made something silly, but he, he's a comedy guy, so people might have expected that. <laughs> yeah. A different example. How about right. we go for that? I don't like, know. If, like... Uh, I'm trying to think who came out the gate Ju- super strong. If, um, what's the Parasite director's name? Bong Joon-ho. Oh, I guess Parasite was kind of funny, too, so... Uh, yeah, and also, he's had a long career. I'm thinking about someone who just made their first Oh, movie. I see, like, I see. Yeah, you know, it's... Like, like uh, that YouTube guy who made 8th grade. Bo Burnham. Yeah. Yeah. I know he's making more stuff too. Yeah, but he, but... Has, he already has a fan base because he's famous. Uh, it's right. a hard time. I should have pre came <laughs> to. I could. I should have pre planned this example before I came to. Ah, uh, right. it's We could. Up. Well, yeah. We get it. <laughs> you could have told me this was their fifth or sixth movie because this doesn't. I mean, Blood Simple doesn't either, but 
it's a testament to how good of filmmakers these guys are because this does not feel made by someone who hasn't had experience behind the yeah. camera. How old are these guys? Like 70? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> 87 this was made. They're yeah, still yeah. making movies. Yeah, they're not that old. They were uh, born in like the 60s. If they're making movies in their, their first movie in their 20s. All right. Uh, Joel was born in 54. Yeah. They're old. Yeah, they still got it. <laughs> The Ballad of Buster Scruggs is fantastic on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they still got it. Cool. I mean, it's awesome. Yeah. So it's like it's not always a one to one where they go serious movie, silly movie, serious movie, silly movie. Yeah. But they basically never do more than two in a row of one kind of genre before jumping to the other. But I find it interesting because almost all of them, his their movies involve crime and then kind of people in the world of crime who aren't normally there. Mm-hmm. So not necessarily a movie about like gangsters and shit like that. Like it's more like regular people put into a crime world. We saw that with Burn After Reading. And you know, so that's why I kind of love like crime is kind of like the through line of their whole career in terms of themes in their movies. But it's like how it's the different people and the tones of the movies. Right. How, it, how they reflect And it. I, I've only watched a handful of movies and not even all the way through of theirs. But I feel like they're also... Their movies are usually based in sort of like a Western or Midwest sort of setting. Yeah. You know, like I always envisioned like a desert of More some often sort. than that. Yeah, yeah <laughs> for sure. I was just trying to think of ones. I'm like, what hasn't? But I mean, Burn After Reading is kind of like was the D- closest. Yeah, that was to... a DC movie. Yeah. Like that was, but that was specific about yeah. like sat- satirizing the world of people who like work and live in DC. Exactly. But other than that, like No Country for Old Men, um, the one with the three guys. That you showed me that we never finished. Oh, brother, where are they? Yeah, like yeah. I'm just seeing like desert. Raising Arizona. Exactly. Um, I mean, Fargo's not. That's like Minnesota and cold. Oh, well, um, I haven't Fargo, seen that yet. Yeah, oh, that's probably going to be the next one I do on this podcast because this is the first time we're actually doing like a second movie from a director, I think. Because to you, like, you haven't seen a lot of their movies. So I was like, I can't just have them be the silly ass dudes where. Mm-hmm. People make sex chairs and and fly through the fronts of cars and John Goodman screams at the top of his lungs. I gotta show you some of their serious work because it's fucking. Fan. I know you see No Country, but right, some of their other stuff is fan like Barton Fink, Miller's Crossing, fucking Fargo. It's sort of hard to track how when humor changes for like us in the U.S. like in our time periods uh-huh. because I think a lot of the jokes that come in, on in this film are jokes that I wouldn't have necessarily thought would have landed in the 80s. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. So anyway, I'm, just a I'm random thought. i talk about that. <laughs> I've, I find the humor of this movie to be timeless. Like, mm-hmm. it's seriously one of my favorite comedies. I find it just so funny. And the only reason I wasn't laughing harder when we watched it last night was because I just watched it two days before you and I watched it. Yep. And I was howling that time. And that's what made me choose it for this podcast. So <laughs> if it wasn't... So if it wasn't 48 hours fresh in my mind, I would have been howling again. So were you a Cohen head by the time you had watched this movie for the first time? Yeah, like I sought this out because I knew who they were. Mm. So it wasn't my first one. But basically, I don't know when my the first Cohen brothers. I remember actually I remember liking Oh Brother Where Art Thou mainly because my brothers liked it. Like I was 10 when it came out, so I didn't understand it at all. Right. It was over my head. I didn't I didn't know what the hell. I didn't even know what the hell the odyssey was let alone that this was an adaptation of it and what the, i didn't get what they were doing you know so I, but <laughs> i remember my brothers liked it and you know i was at that age where like oh my older brothers think it's cool so i think it's cool yeah so i kind of just like was like yeah i like that movie and then i don't i don't know exactly because from there was they made two movies in a row where everyone deemed it like the end of the coen brothers because they weren't that good it was the lady killers and intolerable cruelty 
I actually, oh, honestly, I've never seen either of them. Um, so I gotta, I, I should check them out. To <laughs> you listen to the people. <laughs> well, I, I was also like 12 and 13, and like oh, Intolerable true. Cruelty is like this, like, it's just a, like a sexy romance movie with George Clooney and someone else. Oh. And like, he's a thief and they fall in love or whatever. <laughs> and then Lady Killers is a remake of an older a movie um, with Tom Hanks and like Marlon Wayans. And I don't know, it just seems silly. With Tommy? Yeah. Cute. So I, I'll, I'll try. I'll watch those out and see if if they are actually better than people say. Okay. But that was right after uh, Old Brother Where Art Thou. So I was all that to say I wasn't really jumping in at the next Coen Brothers movie after Old Brother. But I do remember how I have an older cousins who loved The Big Lebowski, and then getting shown that earlier than I probably understood that either. Uh-huh. And then I. But it was, again, I just thought it was funny. They say fuck like 150 times. <laughs> like, you know, I was 12, but so it was great. Wow. And then just over time, I was like, I just started to like really appreciate those movies for what they were. And then while that was happening was probably around 2008 when No Country for Old Men dropped. And I feel like not that they weren't already like legends, basically, in the film industry. That made them a little bit more household names. Mm-hmm. I feel I didn't look at the numbers, but I feel like No Country for Old Men's got to be their biggest hit in terms of like money. Like everybody right. saw that movie. Like everybody was talking about that movie. Mm-hmm. Not in a way where I see it. You know, I, w- I didn't hear that about inside Lewin Davis or burn after reading the year after, you know, so right. no controlled men, like put them on the side. I think by then I was just like Cohen mania. That movie was great. And then that's when I probably around that time was going back. And then raising Arizona was just so goddamn fun. <laughs> they got some other great zany comedies that come out after this, but, uh, zany is a good word to describe yeah, their movies. This, uh, this one's something special. I don't know. It really makes me laugh. I was surprised. I wasn't expecting to see the cage. Yep. yep. <laughs> Did you not recognize him at first? I didn't. Uh, I figured because it was like six minutes in, and I heard you go, "It is," and like write it down, and like I saw you start writing something. Because I was like, it, I, I guess I'd never, I hadn't seen Nicolas Cage that young before, even though he's kind of looked the same forever. Yeah, but, but I don't, eighty-seven is pretty. Yeah, and I think the facial hair just—I yeah. was just thrown off. I oddly recognized Holly so much faster. It was really cool to see her that young. Yeah. Because I really only know her from Succession. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Um, I might have seen her in like another thing or two, but like she just seems like an actress who has been around for a long time, like just so talented that like it was really cool to see she's, her in this. Yeah, she's great. And uh, you also probably know her something more modern. Uh, she was in The Big Sick. She was the mom, Ray Romano's wife. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah she's great in that. And great. she's uh, in The Incredibles. She's the mom. Oh, she's nice. The voice of Mrs. Yes, Incredible. you get that paycheck. Girl. <laughs> I like that. Um, but yeah, she's great. They, she's the one character they wrote, like they wrote. They wrote it for. Yeah, they wrote it for her because uh, they they knew her for a long time and they wanted her in Blood Simple, but she couldn't be in it. I don't remember scheduling Cute. or something. So they were like, "All right, you got to be in our next movie. We're writing, we're writing the character of Ed for you." Oh man! But all I will say about Nick Cage and the casting was. Man, Nick Cage would play a great Ted in Bill and Ted. Yeah, <laughs> seriously, he could have been like Ted's like older uncle. Yeah, you know, like if there was like a scene. This this Nick Cage, like, there's great Nick Cage stuff out there. <laughs> Leaving Las Vegas, probably you know, hands down his best performance. So it's, it's the one he got the Oscar for. It's it's fantastic. It's you, you'll cry. Oh no, you haven't seen National Treasure. Yeah, so. all right, let's let's comment down <laughs> with the National Treasure talk. You know. Leaving Las Vegas is what it is. It's a fucking crushing, soul-crushing performance. But this one is like, uh, I wish the Oscars gave a fuck about comedies. I don't know mm-hmm. how no nothing in this movie got, got recognition because it's my favorite Nick Cage performance. It's the one where I don't 
remember I'm watching Nick Cage. Uh-huh. Like, everything else. Like, he, he's such a character and such a presence that yeah. when he shows up in anything, including, like, Into the Spider-Verse and shit, when he, like, plays it, when he just uses his yeah. voice, I'm like, oh, it's Nick Cage. Like Right. He's Nick Cage playing Nick Cage. Yeah. And, like, you know, you're going to, he's going to do this every <laughs> once in a while. At some point in the movie, he's going to go, like, oh, oh, Nick Cage. You know, like, <laughs> like, that kind of shit. And, like, he is... He is H.I. McDonough. Like, I don't see a Nick Cage when I look at this guy. Right. Like, it's goddamn transformative. And I don't know if that's just because he was younger and he hadn't developed, like, the Nick Cage mannerisms or whatever. Mm-hmm. and Or gotten famous for them, you know? So, like, you know, at this point, he's been parodied a thousand times. So right. People just expect him to, oh. You know? <laughs> but, like. Oh, oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh. <gasps> sexy cat <laughs> um yeah i i kind of skipped over because obviously i'd never heard of this movie yeah, before it, so yeah. <laughs> i Masha, just went straight in <laughs> Masha, what did you think when i said we're watching raising arizona no. yeah because I, I didn't even tell you it was coen brothers i just said it was from someone we watched before and it didn't say it you know it wasn't until the end credits that it said written you know by the coen yeah. brothers and all that yeah. shit but did you guess i assumed Yes. Like while we were watching? Yes. And it's because Francis McDermott is in this movie. Oh, <laughs> Mrs. <laughs> Mrs. Uh, Cohen. Yeah. Because I was like, this kind of feels like them, but I don't know. And then she showed yeah. up and I was like, it's probably Yeah, them. they were already <laughs> married by this point. Like, Cute. So did you have any other fun facts you wanted to share before we dived into the non-spoiler section? Yeah, I got a couple. Not too much. The um, Most of the making of this movie is pretty standard because their first movie was kind of a success. They were pretty much given the trust with this one. Their next comedy after this is called The Hudsucker Proxy, and it's also hilarious. Um, Hudsucker? Yeah. What's a Hudsucker? It's the name of the company the guy works for. Oh, okay. It's a whole thing. (laughs) Um, But that's what they actually had that script before this one, and they wanted to make that as their second movie, but the budget that they were given, like the six million, just wouldn't cut it. They ended up making that for like 40 million years later. Whoa, 40 million. I hope it made it back. So they, they went up going with this instead. And what else is crazy? So this movie was shot by Barry Sonnenfeld. And Barry Seinfeld? No, Sonnenfeld. Oh. Sonnenfeld. <laughs> um, <laughs> Jerry and Barry Seinfeld. <laughs> so I only know this guy as a director, and I like his movies, but he makes uh, very kind of glossy, like mainst- mainstream appealing movies. So as a director, he made the two Adams Family movies, which you know I like. Mm-hmm. Uh, he made Get Shorty. He made All Three Men in Blacks. He made RV oh, with snap. Robin Williams. He made Wild Wild West. So the Wild Wild West. Yeah, some of those are really good movies. I like a lot of. I like Men in Black One. I like Men in Black Three. Um, Damn, no love for two. No, I don't like two at all. I can't <laughs> even get through it. It's fucking rough. Don't watch two. But you know, I, I've always kind of put him in like a box of like, okay, he makes like the broad appeal kind of men in black it's it's a very fun very good movie but it's not a thinker you know what i mean it's it's you eat your popcorn and everybody yep. enjoys it for young yep. and old you yep. know, which you need that i've always put him in that box but i didn't know he was a cinematographer before he moved into directing oh and he shot this movie and i looked into this guy's cinematography and i'm like god damn this guy's an artiste this guy's crazy that's awesome so he shot blood simple also before this almost the entire crew from blood simple moved over to this movie so He's he's shot that, and he's also shot Miller's Crossing, which was another Coen Brothers movie. But he shot When Harry Met Sally. He shot Big. He shot Misery. He shot Big? Yeah, so, like, this guy was a great... I mean, not saying he's not a great director, but, like, 
it just made me reevaluate. I was like, you can't just judge someone by one thing. You know, I looked at him as a director and I was right. like, all right, cool. You make good stuff, but simple, simple, but good. And then I, I look at him, I'm like, oh, this guy's got the talent. He just knows it all. He knows the business and the talent. He's right. fucking great. Barry that, Seinfeld is awesome. That is awesome. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of the only real thing I re- learned about kind of the making of it and everything. Uh, cool. So I don't know. There's a lot to chew, and this is zany, zany time movie. So let's jump on in. Oh man, this is a crazy intro. Oh my god! <laughs> the fact that the movie doesn't really start until after this. What would you call this? Like a pre? It's gonna bother me for a while. Like prelude. Anyway. I guess so. It's I like guess. a prelude. But like honestly, I think it's almost like the entire first act. Like I think they like I think they knock out setting up a first act of a movie in 10 minutes that takes most movies 30 to 35 minutes mm-hmm. so, so like i feel like we start after the opening credits in the second act already like we're, we're we're moving we're moving yeah that's one thing so yeah i think this opening establishes everything every single about thing. this movie and one of the most remarkable things i find about it is the pacing this movie is paced like almost nothing else it's it never takes a moment to breathe but like it's not in an overwhelming way it's just fast as hell but like in a fluid kind of structured way where i think like each event leads to the next event so you're never kind of like lost you're never just like, sometimes when a fast-paced movie's going on you're like Wait, what the fuck what who how'd they figure that out <laughs> they set up the main character you know holly hunter their whole thing just so quickly with like a little bit of narration great visuals repetition well uh, that's uh, the thing like yeah. y- like you said five minutes so quick to explain so much but at the same time they have repetition included in it so it feels like you've been in this world for so long yeah it starts you know right away from him getting his picture taken and then you hear you know ed holly hunter going turn to the right that becomes like the repetition of every time he comes to jail and sees her again it's her saying that phrase you know yeah which i loved because it's almost like he's in a loop or a circle uh-huh writing the same problems over and over again recidivism <laughs> all right yeah, we're during this frenetic opening. We're basically introduced to Nicolas Cage playing H.I. McDonough. He, we see him right away, just getting booked for some kind of crime. We don't even. We basically find out that he's he does armed robberies at like quick stops, basically. I don't, you know, yeah. little grocery stores. I'm gonna tell you right now. I'm gonna end up calling him Nick Cage for the rest of this podcast yeah. episode because it's the easiest name. It's Hi. 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 Okay. Because he's H.I. McDonough as his initials. Uh, so call, everyone calls him hi. All right. Yeah. Every, everyone talks so fast in this movie. It's hard <laughs> to catch things. Okay, got it. Um, yeah, and then he's going into jail. Kind of We're seeing that jail life a little bit. Yeah. We see John Goodman and his brother in there just kind of hanging out. And through this kind of repetition of him getting let out after eight to ten months, because we find out all of his uh, robberies, he never puts bullets in the gun. Mm -hmm. So it's never considered armed robbery. So he always gets let out like eight months after doing it. (laughs) No one's ever in danger. Gotta love this probation hearing that happens every time. Yeah. It's it's just hilarious. Yeah, it's fantastic. But that's even jumping a little ahead because that's when he gets out of jail for good. But... um, you know, during this time, we, we see him kind of talking with Ed during each one. And then one time she's crying and we find out that her, her fiance left her. <laughs> <laughs> her crying is really funny. Oh, my God. Holly Hunter's so good at this. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, basically, they hook up. She stops being a cop. He leaves the criminal life behind him. And then they start trying to have a baby. Find out she's, she's barren, can't have any kids. And it starts creating a divide in them. They're both just kind of like in a rut because they're they they can't have children and that's what they feel like the next step they should do is and then that's when they see on tv that 
Nathan Arizona, the local uh, furniture tycoon, unpainted furniture tycoon, uh, just had five kids because they were using, um, I guess, like some kind of supplements to to boost his sperm or something, and it went it went overboard. And they read in the newspaper that they joke that it's too much to handle. That's kind of the headline. Mm-hmm. And then that's when they strap a ladder to the car and drive off, and then we get the opening credits of Raising Arizona. Yeah. So yeah, I think all of that is so much to jam into 10 minutes of a movie it's a lot like that's what i mean by i think most movies take 30 minutes to get there and but it doesn't feel like a lot like i like i felt ready to go and i was like i get it i've been through however long these guys like you know it's probably been a couple of years based on how many times he's gotten in and out of jail and all of that so it's i think these guys are masterful what i like too is that every character is just like a little bit weird like even holly's character you would think that she'd sort of be the straight man yeah but you get a glimpse into right away you know when she's crying over her fiance yeah that something's a little off with her (laughs) too and it makes sense why her and uh high end up together i mean yeah even like falling for a convict that you don't even know like you know they they get married on like a whim yeah slipping the ring on her finger during you know him getting his prince yeah exactly um i i found their wedding to be hilarious just all the cops and random people (laughs) there yeah yeah that's fucking (laughs) Great. Are these guys from an Arizona type state? Like, I feel like they I just. I feel like I should know that. I don't really know where they're from, but I got to imagine there's some. I just want to know where they get like an ins- inspiration for like characters like this. I know. Well, one... they're so exaggerated. They did say specifically for like the dialect where they wanted everyone to kind of talk in the dialect of how people talk down there in terms of how their voice came out. Mm-hmm. But in terms of their vocabulary and how they speak, they wrote it. Kind of, they were trying to think of like what would the reading material of somebody like High or Ed be, and and all, kind of all these people who live in the town, and they said they tried to base it on a mixture of magazines and the Bible being your only sources of like reading. Yeah, and then so that's kind of like what forms how you speak and what you talk. You know what I mean? That's like, awesome. And and what else I find is cool, and you know we can talk about this with each character if you want, but. Because Blood Simple was such like a cold, dark look at the criminal life in this movie, they wanted every character in some way to be sympathetic. Mm. They thought it would be a lot more interesting that every character can cause problems and do bad things, but they didn't want to just like make like scumbags and good people. Even if you don't agree with what they did and, and you wouldn't do it yourself, you kind of he wanted you to understand why everyone does what they do. And, you know, and they didn't want it to come from, like, a terrible place or make, like, pure evil characters. Yeah. Except for one, obviously. But we'll talk about what he means. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, even down to when we get to John Goodman and the uh, um, William Forsythe characters. Uh, clearly your favorite characters. <laughs> but, you know, so, like, H.I. is a criminal. Eventually, Ed becomes a criminal. But, like, he always wanted everybody, even up to Nathan Arizona and his wife. Like, he didn't want them to be, like, the shrew rich people you hate. That you're like, good, I'm glad they lost their baby. Like, he wanted yeah. everyone to have, like, a heartfelt moment where you're still kind of vibing with them. You mm-hmm. know, and you're not you're not just, like, pissed off at anybody. Yeah. Yeah. So, I think I, I think that's pretty cool. I think they succeeded there. But, yeah. So, this leads us to high breaking into the Arizona household. SMH. And I didn't really understand one. what he was doing there, honestly. Because he's he broke into the kids' bedrooms, obviously. Yeah. And it's he's sort of picking up each baby one by one. Yeah. So was that him trying to choose which one he wanted to take back? Yeah. So okay. that's what I think. So I actually... Because I've watched it so many times, I was confused the first time I saw it too, where I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, like, just pick one. <laughs> so then 
the more I watched it, then the more I realized because when they're driving away, he's constantly going on about, hey, I think I got the best one. I think oh. I got the one that's better than all the rest of them. So I think he's literally trying out each baby by picking each one up. Oh my but then he's God. like an idiot and putting it in the wrong spot. But I will say, <laughs> I, watching it this time, because now I've, I'm always watching this movie, <laughs> I, I don't think he's as dumb of a criminal as we see. And I think he's kind of self-sabotaging himself a lot of the times in this movie. Hmm. We'll get into it more as we get into it, dissect these characters towards the end. Yeah. But I think a lot of him, his repeat of offenses in the beginning and always getting, always botching these armed robberies might just be him putting up some defenses so he always has an excuse not to ever take responsibility for anything in his life. <laughs> and I kind of could argue that he's doing this more for Ed and less because he actually wants a, a family. And anytime he's confronted with the reality of it, he always tries to run. And this is the first time that happens. So I kind of think he's, even if it might be subconscious, purposely taking a long time and making a lot of noise so he could get caught and not have to then raise a baby. Interesting. I don't know if I 100% agree with you yet, but I will say the fact that he keeps getting arrested or kept getting arrested for the same thing over and over again. Like, guy, improve your method, skill, see what's going on, you know, and what you could do better (laughs) (laughs) to rob the same store over and over again. We're too early in the film for me to really dive into why I think this, but we'll 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 bring it up again. Let's let's revisit it, but yeah. yeah. Other than that, though, this sequence is hilarious. I love the way it's filmed. I, I love that they're able to make this, like, dynamic you know there's there's like these moves these sweet gliding camera shots from the ground level with the babies um they've cast freaking cute babies in this yeah (laughs) and i can't imagine because i think they had like 15 16 babies on set wow you know you can only shoot the baby for like an hour or two legally and then you gotta give it a rest so many babies so they had all these you know just tons of babies they were going in and out and i heard in one interview they said like some babies had to get fired because they learned how to walk (laughs) <laughs> and and if, if and they wouldn't stop walking, so they're like, "Ah, right, you're fired." And like, there was literally like one mom. They said put her kid's shoes on backwards to try and like stop him from walking, <gasps> so he wouldn't get fired off the set. Oh my god! Which is like the worst mother of all time. You're like trying to impede the growth of your kid. Wow. So it could, fucking, so it could be in a movie. Yeah. That no one's going to give a fuck that it was your kid. You know, like, it's not... Oh, my God. It's a baby. It's not even it's like an eight-year-old where we can be like, oh, you see that performance? It's like a baby. That's insane. But, yeah, so I just can't imagine the hecticness of filming this scene with all these kids and everything. Just That sounds expensive. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, he's, he successfully gets the kid. They're driving away. We get holly hunter's hilarious bursting crying when she's got the baby on her lap and then she's just like i love him so much <laughs> her, her going from zero to a hundred my, my favorite shit when, yes because like you said she does seem almost like oh she'll be the level-headed one who kind of keeps them on track yeah but it, i'm it's her idea to steal the baby <laughs> and then like the way she just has these firsts it's so funny because I find her character to be oddly relatable because I feel that way when I hold a puppy. Yeah, like, I'm exactly. like, oh my God, I'm going to break down crying. I love him so much. So I, I thought, yeah, it was hilarious. <laughs> uh, yeah, they get back to the house. <laughs> they have a welcome home baby sign. Which, like they, Which will be hilarious later. Yes. But I just, they really thought this through. Like, they planned this. They talked about it. But they didn't talk through, like, stuff that actually mattered. Yep. You know, like, they, they talked through, you know, maybe what 
the baby will wear or eat or like no i mean a sign like they they thought through having a signed welcome home baby but they didn't think through like the baby have a having a pediatrician like anything that's needed it's the sign of this whole movie that neither of them think anything through and it's yeah i look at them as like two characters who love to take the easy way out of everything Mm -hmm. and try to solve their problems with the quick easy thing without ever really facing what they want and why they want it (laughs) To the point of high not wanting the baby, though, it even goes to, like, him wanting to take this photo. And, mm. you know, as soon as, you know, Hot Hunter's like, you're going to help out, right, high And this and that. And he's like, what now? Nah. And then that photo just clicks and, like, no one's on the same page. Like, mm. baby's looking one way. Ed's <laughs> looking the other way. He's looking nervous at the camera. And the other uh, sweet bit of um, costume design with this movie is because, like they said, they were trying to make a living cartoon. And... You know, he has the Woody Woodpecker tattoo because, like, it's just kind of to symbolize, like, he's a cartoon character, too. Mm-hmm. So they were very cognizant about what his hair looked like in every, <laughs> every scene in the movie because yep. he has wild hair in this movie. He has crazy hair. And the more in over his head and chaotic and out of control everything is and the more, like, hopeless he feels, the bigger his hair is. <laughs> so when shit's going crazy and he can't control anything, his hair is poofed out like Einstein. And when he's like cool, calm, and collected, it's very like slicked back and looks <laughs> nice. And uh, so it's a fun thing to track if you ever watch it again. Yeah. And yeah, in this scene with the photo, like his hair is not quite crazy yet, but he's the the reality of everything is like daunting on him. Uh huh. And uh, yeah, they take this photo. And, yeah. It's... You know what I'm realizing too? I think the Cohen brothers are really good at creating characters that really want to fit into like normal society, but they just can't. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like clearly Ed wants like that classic f- small family, yep. like cutesy life with the great friends, like exactly. And, you know, he's trying to do that too. High's trying to do that too to sort of satisfy Ed's, you know, feelings. But like, it's just crazy how, like how much they can't <laughs> have yeah. that life. Yeah. And I don't think this spoils anything, but like when we, when we wrap up at the end, like I really think, when you put all those silly shit aside in the plot of this movie, like it's really kind of about two people learning to actually like each other (laughs) because the more I watch this, the more I realize like they don't really know or like each other that much for most of this like movie. Mm. You know, I I think Ed just sees, like you said, she looks at him and she looks at a chance at a normal life. Yeah. Once she realizes she can't have a baby, that's when, <laughs> all right, now stealing this baby is a chance to normal life. She's basically, everything is like a building block to get what she wants in her head, but she doesn't actually love him yeah. or anything like that. She's not living in the moment. Yeah, and then him the same way where I think he's a little bit more just like infatuated with her and he's willing to like act like he wants an, all this like normal stuff and responsibilities and like to kind of be... A regular guy but he's got all this other shit in his head yeah that literally will manifest itself into an evil person <laughs> so it's yeah it's it's really like i don't know i, I like it a lot i think it's <laughs> deeper than the silly cartoon vibes end up showing you yeah i think we go straight from this scene to a literal cartoon of a scene the prison breakout yeah oh my god i love the audio the audio alone of this scene will have me in tears i love john goodman just (laughs) john goodman screaming coming out of the dirt covered in shit is just so i'm just gonna play some of his screaming it's honestly it's and it's gonna go a long time folks and it's gonna be hilarious
wanting to scream while he's coming out, but then he starts doing his victory screams, and then when he starts pulling his brother up. From the leg. <laughs> but still screaming, just... <laughs> yeah, this was a little too ridiculous for me. <laughs> but oh, you were cracking up I last night, it. even though you saw it like a few days oh, ago. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, Goodman goes on to star in many... Or not star, but be in many Coen Brother movies. Oh, was this? Oh, I this see. This is the first time they yeah. worked together. Oh, so, that's like, cool. He's he's just perfect. <laughs> but that cuts right to them putting all that fucking hair grease, which I just always think of like you still have shit all in your hair. Like they're just like rubbing shit and grease. Yeah, they, I don't know. It always grosses me out. You could like feel how much they smelled bad. Yeah, it's awful. <laughs> yeah, but then they sh- they show up at High and Ed's house. Immediately, there's more of a rift where Ed doesn't want doesn't want them around high just you know he's trying to appease her but also appease them yeah you know they start kind of jabbing at his masculinity like who wears the pants and kind of those kind of things yeah and it's you could tell it's fucking with him oh totally i thought this was going to be the point where he would find that desire again to sort of rob you know like that i I, that drive for crime like i thought that this was where it was going to happen. Yeah, I think so. I mean, they these guys definitely represent like that part of his life, like mm-hmm. that kind of just like living on the like get out of jail, just still live crazy life. You might go <laughs> back to jail, you might not, you know, like that yeah. kind of old school criminal, town to town criminal type of guy. Exactly. But these this is the first time, you know, because they're outsiders coming into their home and yeah. they have the baby there, so they're getting their first round of questions yep. on where this and they baby are came not ready from. For it. And I, I just find it so funny too because when you first see Welcome Home Son, like it makes sense for the scene. You don't really think like, yeah, whatever. Like, yes, they're they're bringing this kid home. But then when like these guys just like, oh, you had a baby, Welcome Home Son. Where's he been? Like, you know, you have like a less than one, you're like a three month old baby. Yeah, Welcome Home. <laughs> and then you know, they try to say he's with his grandparents, but you know they fucked that up too because he's already told them his parents are dead. Yeah. We went to the, we wanted to see their final resting place. <laughs> <laughs> I feel for Ed here though. Like oh, I don't yeah. want those guys in my home. Especially it's two a.m. and you just like it's the night you stole the baby. <laughs> like you know what I mean? It's not even like you've had it for a week or yeah. something. And plus, like you know, she used to be a cop, so she also is not that into the idea of criminals who just broke out of jail, stay in other house. Right. But what I like, like what I was saying of them trying to make all the characters sympathetic, I like that. Like even though you know. I wouldn't want them there either. It's two in the morning. They're barging in and they're a little bit rude behind their back. But I like that they always go out of their way to try and at least be polite and talk polite. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they never really like. Disrespect her to her yeah, face. Yeah, exactly. And like I just find that funny. We're like, yes, these are the criminals and they're going to do bad things. But in the effort to make everyone sympathetic, they're still like, yeah, but they're still like polite guys. You know, it's just funny. It's like a funny way to go when you could have easily just made them like dirty scumbags. Yeah. And it would have just been generic. I did really enjoy their joke where. You know, Ed realizes that they escaped. They weren't let go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and their response was, we didn't feel like the institution had any more to offer us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just liked that phrasing. I thought that was hilarious. Yeah. So after that is High's big nightmare. Oh. And I wanted to get your thoughts. I, get, this, I was this movie, so confused. This movie's already been crazy up to this point, but now we get his, his nightmare and his narration of his nightmare. Yeah. Where we he says he dreams up a uh, I forget the words he used, but basically like a like a killer from hell or something. Like just he feels a presence of some kind of force coming to get him. Yes. And and that he brought it on by stealing Nathan Jr. Yeah. I was so lost because it is in his dream, so yeah. you don't realize that it's real until it's Later. real. Yeah. 
So I I just was kind of like, all right, we're we're being weird now, <laughs> you know. So yeah, the character's name is Leonard Smalls. He goes through town, kills any living thing he sees. You know, oh my god! Grenades at rabbits. Sorry, I forgot about that. That was insane. Yeah, that's what I hope me about the whole sequence. Like, that's he, what I wanted to take. I on. I completely <laughs> forgot about that. Yes. Yeah, he drives by a flower, it catches on fire. You know, he's like cartoon, and also he has to be. I mean, I didn't read this anywhere, but. Because it was the 80s and we all had Mad Max fever, like he had to be inspired by the characters from Mad Max. Well, I thought it was foreshadowing of Knight Rider. I <laughs> think that's another. I was going to say that as well. Nicolas Cage had nothing to do with the making of this movie. Uh-huh. And he does love Knight Rider. So it might just be a coincidence. <laughs> Only because uh, the Coen brothers are, they're, you know, the kind of filmmakers who are very meticulous. And especially with this movie, they said, like, to make this movie with this budget. Every single moment has to be perfectly planned. Like, we can't be fucking around. Uh, Like, 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 storyboarded to a T. And so, it's not that them and uh, Nicolas Cage were very respectful of each other, but they did butt heads a little bit because Nicolas Cage was very excited to be in this and he would often come to them with ideas and shit he wanted to do as the character. Of like, oh, I was thinking about it. And what if, like, H.I. does something like this and this happens? And they always said no every single time. Like, they were just like... No, we can't do that. Like, we can't. We're Damn. not. And just, like, I get it. Like, they they have $6 million in, like, 20 days or 28 days. Like, they have to get this done exactly the way it's envisioned. Otherwise, they're going to lose a scene. And, you know, I was saying about the pacing out. It's, I don't really find any fluff in this movie. Everything leads to something else. So, you don't really have time to do a detour, you know? So, so Nick Cage kind of found them cold at first. Eventually, he said in an interview that he totally understands why they were like that. But... You, they just weren't interested in like, oh, yes, let's collaborate. Like, it's like, no, nah, we're making this. Right. So because of that, I feel like the coincidences to Knight Rider have to be coincidences. <laughs> I can't imagine Nick Cage was like, my favorite comic, because it is his favorite comic book character. He loves Knight Rider. Yeah. He's got a tattoo of it and everything. Oh, snap. Yeah, I didn't yeah, know yeah. that. So not only did he play him, he loves him. <laughs> so I can't imagine Nick Cage was like, oh, let's put it in, you know? Yeah. I, I just, when I saw the motorcycle, I was yeah. like, is this foreshadowing? <laughs> yeah. I love this character of Leonard Smalls. Like, he's everything that High keeps running <laughs> away from. So, I said how to me, High's a character who always tries to take the easy way out. And, you know, he's always going to jail instead of facing his problems or trying to rob somebody instead of trying to work for something. And his whole life is him never facing responsibility and always just kind of like taking the easy road and causing harm by doing this. Like, people get hurt. You know, he stole a baby. And so, like, all his bad actions are finally caught up with him, and, and it's, like, literally <laughs> manifested in, in a killer who's caught. Like, the Coens <laughs> described it as, like, they wanted to re- design him in what they think H.I. would think of when he was thinking of, like, the scariest person in the world. <laughs> I know that's, like, a little bit weird description, but it, for some reason they thought he would be scared of, like, an unstoppable biker who <laughs> was just, like, you know has the power of fire basically behind them. I'm glad they know. I mean, they created these characters, so they know what's going on in High's head because I did yeah. not. Like, and he's then, just so passive sometimes. Uh, I'm just like, what is going on? We but get, We get some narration to tell us. We do, we do. But it's still, like, his actions, like you said, like, he kind of just lets life happen to him. Yeah. And isn't really that sort of drive. And it's a driver. He's not the driver of his life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And the last part about this dream sequence that I love is just the way it's shot after once it goes to like the first person of the motorcycle and the camera's kind of gliding, it glides over the car and then up the ladder and into the window and you see the mom realizing her kid is gone. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, that's fucking awesome. And it's basically, that was 
an homage to Evil Dead because they kind of, they didn't, I don't know about invent, but to show the evil force in that movie, it was kind of a first person camera being trucked through the woods. But they literally just put a camera on a two by four and ran with it. Like, you know, they, they didn't have any technology when they made that movie. That's awesome. And Ethan Cohen was a, or Joel, one of those Cohens, probably Joel, was an assistant editor on that movie. So he knew Sam Raimi and they were working together. So Aww. he was kind of did this as like his like throw out, throw out to Sam Raimi and his buddy filmmaker. That's pretty cool. Yeah. You know what I just noticed? Because you, like you said, the camera goes up the ladder and yeah. to the mom. They were so freaking lazy that after stealing the baby, they left the ladder. Oh, I, well, again, I don't know if th- it's a dream, so I don't know if that's... Oh, okay. I th- I'm pretty sure his car is still there, because I've seen it so many times. Oh, okay, point. okay. So I think it's more... I mean, it could be... I feel... I, I could see those characters being so enthralled that they have a baby, that yeah. they just leave the ladder there. Yeah, it might it might be too. But, it I mean, yeah, you've yeah. also seen it, so I don't know, but, but yeah. I think that's what... Oh, that's great. <laughs> I wanted to talk about this Nathan guy to, uh, talk to the FBI... Oh, yeah, yeah, we can go there. We can go there. <laughs> because I just find it funny. Obviously, they have five kids who look exactly alike. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, oh, I think they took uh, Nathan Jr. And like, and, but he answers it like three times. People are like, which one was he? He's like, Nathan Jr., I think. <laughs> and, he's like, <laughs> and I don't know why it's not even that funny, but I just love when someone's like, what do you say to the theory that Nathan Jr. was abducted by aliens? He's just like, don't print that, son. His mother reads that it'll break her heart. <laughs> and he's just like, I don't know why. Like, it's just he got so serious. It's yeah. Like, don't print that set. That was a pretty great scene. And I liked I liked the whole because you see, I watch a lot of crime drama. Like I love yeah. Law and Order and all that stuff. So just seeing the co- local cop versus the FBI. Yeah. I like I enjoyed that dialogue a lot. And just him talking to them and getting his fingerprints taken, putting his yeah. hand on the coat. Like I just find it all so there's so much going on at the same time and i like it too because he gets a lot of comedy out of nathan arizona and he is kind of a dick but like he's not a piece of shit yeah you're not like happy that he lost his kid and at no point like they could have wrote him where he'd be like good i didn't care about those kids anyway Mm -hmm. like they still show you that they might be a little bit neglectful but they like still love their kids like they don't want one of their kids gone you know (laughs) and also i just love the writing it's like the great parent writing of like he's like he was wearing his jammies and he's like, well, what does his jammies look like? He's like, I don't know. They got Yodas and shit on them. Like, like, like it's just like Yodas and shit. Like, just like the way that parents like, ah, Pokemans, it's, it's whatever. It's a fucking bunch of Pikachus running around, you know? So it's just like, it's just, like they, just, they just bought Star Wars stuff and he's like, yeah, they got Yodas and shit all over. Whatever. <laughs> but yeah, from there, we, we get the next morning at High's house. Where they ask the Ever Brothers to to get to go because they got some decent folks coming to dinner. Damn, that was, I was like, man, Ed, you're you're ballsy. Oh yeah, asking these felons so rudely to leave your yeah. house. And I like that Hyde didn't even want to go, and he's like, I'm probably gonna skip it too and go hang out with the fellas. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, then we get the great, very small performances, but two great performances from Sam. McMurray yeah, the and fastest talker of all time, Francis yeah. McDormand. And sorry, what was the other guy's name? Sam McMurray. Uh, ah, yeah. I've seen him in so many things. He's he's one of the the biggest hey that guys. Like he's in everything. He's on Freaks and Geeks. He's the dad who has the affair. Remember yes. Sam's dad? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he's like he was like the cool dad everyone liked, and then he found that he was like fucking someone on the side. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I remember from that. He's so good. And then Freya Francis McDormand is that. Just the chameleon Francis McDormand. She could play any role. I It took me a hot second to recognize her. Especially if you just watched Blood Simple before this. It's crazy, the difference. Oh, like, really? It, yeah, yeah. Like, she's... It's so good. Wow. I don't know how... 
they script for her or is she improvising all those things like she just has so much to say yeah i mean well first off they bring their like five shitty kids. oh my god I love these kids. These kids are insane. <laughs> I just love when it's just like, he's like, uh, like you don't even know they have kids. And then he's just like, oh, come on in here, kids. And just all of them are beating on High's car. Like Awful. <laughs> and I, th- I, f- I thought this was funny because I feel like High was like, is this my future? Exactly. I think <laughs> basically, you know how I was saying it's like it's a movie, but them learning to love each other. Mm-hmm. I think if they don't learn that, this is who they become. Mm-hmm. Because they even say like, the dad, this dad clearly doesn't love any of his kids. Doesn't give a shit about them, and he's just yeah. like, yeah, I don't really want another one. But she says these are too too small to cuddle. So to <laughs> me, that was like a relationship where they were both just like appeasing each other and doing what the other one wanted just for to make peace. But they didn't actually like each other, or like they weren't. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, she just always wanted a young baby that was gonna need her. Yeah, and, and he, Ed is kind of like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's why, I like, if they don't go through what they go through in this movie, that's what they become, mm. is this couple, and this couple stinks. Yeah, yeah, and that guy is delusional. Oh, his fucking corny-ass jokes, all, all his Polish jokes. He is not happy. But he, he's not happy, but he's, like, he's the equivalent of, like, that corny dad. Like, it's always beer o'clock and just shit like that. Like, yeah. Just, like, that sad kind of, like, suburban dad who's got, like... Yeah, he gets drunk. To like cover up his sadness. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, fuck it. I forget what that one kid was doing when he like. When he's spraying the water on on his on his nuts, and he's like, "You wet yourself, you wet yourself, <laughs> Mister McDonough wet himself." Oh, God. <laughs> and then and he's like, "Yeah, these kids are going up fast. Like, this one already knows his ABCs." Yes. And he's writing fart on the wall. That one. <laughs> that was the kid I was talking about. He's uh, right. Oh my God. Uh, but yeah, then they were out in the desert, and then now you see High's hair is sticking straight up. <laughs> he's holding his shoes. I don't really know why he's holding his shoes. I've seen this movie a thousand times. He had two pairs of shoes. Yeah, he was wearing sandals and holding his shoes. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know why. But uh, now he's like freaking out because he just sees like that's my future. Like I, I, I can't do this. And he thinks this guy has the answers. Yeah. And he does not. And he has it, other yeah. answers. <laughs> it's not a big thing, but a slow skip, small skip over was earlier too. When we see like High's normal life because he has a job now, he has like that normal annoying coworker who never shuts the fuck up. Yeah, he cashes his check and the lady says something sassy when she gives him his check. Like, like it's all like mundane ass small town living with no excitement. Mm-hmm. And so like he's already been through that, and then now on top of that, he sees like this like sad life of shitty misbehaved kids. And, and these are supposed to be the decent folk. Yeah, and then and then he's eaten with the other two and. Prince McDormand's just like, oh, you gotta do this, hi, you gotta do this, you gotta go in the health, you gotta get a pediatrician, you gotta do this, and like, he's just stressing out. I I just love how Ed just puts it all on high, like, yeah, hi, we gotta do that. What are we gonna do with that, hi? I know. The accent's really getting Yeah, she was like, and you gotta do it, because she's gonna be busy with this precious little angel, you know? (laughs) And then you also see Glenn, who Sam McMurray plays. You find out they're swingers, and he's trying to... He's trying to bang. Do a wife swap. Yeah, do a wife swap. That's that's a better way to say it. Oh. Uh, I just love how I just exploded on him. Stay away from my wife. <laughs> <laughs> but I just love because it's, you know, it's the juxtaposition of like his friends are criminals. And when they come over, they're nothing but polite. You know, they they, they say hello. Thank you. They Yes, they're, they're drinking. I guess I know they're drinking beers and making messes, but uh, like a lot of beers. Yeah, but they're still like being polite. And these other two who are supposed to be the decent folks kind of just rampage through the house with their shitty kids. They never say, please, thank you, sorry. Yeah. And then they want a wife. So, so it's just funny, like, the juxtaposition of the good, decent people, the criminals. Absolutely. It's funny. 
from there we got high and ed in the car just and uh they're basically ed's furious because that was actually his foreman so <laughs> now that was basically his boss right which uh, we didn't really know that until this moment which i found it so much funnier that ed but that a high wasn't going to go, you know? And he was like, I'm going to skip too. And it's like, it's his boss and his boss's wife, you know? And you kind of see high just being a little bit like kind of blank face of being like, yeah, I suppose they will fire me and all this. And then he pulls over, says that Nathan Jr. needs some huggies and then goes into the store. And then we see him see the pantyhose and kind of get the old yeah, idea. Yeah, I just think that robbing these stores gave him some sort of thrill in his life where he actually felt something. Yeah. Because other than when he's robbing, like, he doesn't really have, he doesn't really emote. He's very chipper when he's robbing. Yes. Like, he's, very, like, he's twirling the gun, like, you know, he kind of, like, has a better attitude. Yeah. Yeah, and then at the same time, I'm standing by my theory of, like, this is, again, he just sp- saw this whole family that shows his future and all his responsibilities that he has to take care of and then <laughs> he loses his job. So now he has to find a way to do it financially and mm. emotionally. First thing he does is go rob a store. And yes, it's a quick fix to get some money. But I kind of think there's a little part of him that's like, if I get caught right now, I'm out. I don't have to deal with this uh, anymore. Trying to escape if I go it. to jail, I don't, I'm, I, this whole thing is over. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I kind of, that's my theory. I mean, that's and I didn't a pretty have, good theory. I didn't have it until I watched it a couple times. But I think he, I think he just is always running. Do you think that Ed kind of knew that? Because once she realizes that he's robbing the store, because she starts to hear sirens when she's in the car yeah. with the baby, and she's, she she in. has to bounce, but she's like, you yeah. know, that's son, that of, a son bitch. of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, she, yeah, she, you know, it's the it's the cycle they're both in. They both keep repeating the same problems over and over again. So she's driving away because she's like, I'm gonna teach him a lesson and fuck him. But then once she hears the gunshots, that's when she goes like, Hold on, we, we gotta go save daddy. And like, you know, she does a change of heart there. But it's not a healthy change of heart. Like right. nothing changed. He didn't do anything better. This scene is ridiculous. Oh, I love this scene. <laughs> it's perfect. And that fucking it's we already heard the score once during the opening credits, but I love the main theme of this movie. It plays three times. <laughs> here like everyone's got a gun everyone's chasing everyone people. i love the dogs all. how do you even shoot this <laughs> i don't know i think it's, it probably took you know m- many days but yeah the, the frenetic energy of the scene alone it's it's this is where if you don't think they didn't succeed in making a cartoon this is oh yeah the best like just oh. so exaggerated so silly it's so fucking funny all with his head in a pantyhose yeah <laughs> pantyhose. but even just the little things like when he goes to hijack the car and he's like he, he opens the door and he's like the guy's like you got a pantyhose on your head <laughs> and then he's just like he's like i want you to drive fast and then the guy just drives fast and like he doesn't even it's like his like legs are dangling out i just find sure like that's so funny when you take like a real world like like that would probably go down like that more often than not than the cool movies where the guy gets in <laughs> The, the dogs just constantly getting bigger the pile of dogs that was great yeah I, that's where i lost it like <laughs> I, I actually enjoyed that you know because it starts out with this one dog who's gonna jump the fence and then just every dog in town is going through the supermarket you know like <laughs> it's so funny yeah and like it, first the kid behind the counter of the of the convenience store has a big ass hand cannon then the police just start firing 
they, they all got six shooters, but they can fire 12, 15 bullets. You know, it's just then they, the guy at the grocery store and the, got the gun and everyone's just shooting at him. And yeah. Then I love he gets picked up. He tries to say thank you. She fucking clocks him in the face like a cartoon cat. You know, he just his head bobs around. And then I love they just have this huge argument the whole time. And he's like, make a left up here, honey. Anyway, so there was this, oh, right. It's just this right. <laughs> and then he scoops up the huggies from earlier. Yeah. Oh, masterful scene. That's that's com- that's physical comedy at its best. I felt complete because he got the huggies yeah, at the end, you know? Yeah, because first he drops the first pair of huggies, then he tries to steal a second pair from a different store, and then he has to go back for the other one. <laughs> oh, so good. And then, yeah, when we leave those characters, we see Nathan Sr. again, where we find out he has a visitor. And now we find out truly that Leonard Smalls is a real person because mm-hmm. he walks in and... Uh, Lights the coolest cigarette of all time, where he just flicks, it appears in his hand, and then the match appears in the other one. Wow! Uh, and even though he smokes it, he never takes it out of his mouth. He just like puffs the smoke. <laughs> it's so cool. <laughs> it's so cool. He says. <laughs> so that's Tex Cobb. I forget his first real name. Tex is like his nickname, but he's like a martial artist, boxer kind of. He's like a famous athlete. Oh wow! And uh, he's been in a couple movies playing like villains and stuff, but this is like his one kind of like big role. Yeah, my note is where did they find this guy? Yeah, so he's, <laughs> That's why he doesn't have like that much dialogue and stuff. He's more just like a presence. Oh, know? okay, okay. But yeah, he's great. But he comes into Nathan Arizona's office. Yeah. And basically, in a, one way or another, tells him he's a manhunter and that he can easily hunt babies if this guy would like. And I also like that uh, Nathan isn't that stupid where he's just like, he, his basically assumption is like, I think you already, you stole him and now you're just trying to like get the reward money. You uh-huh. know what I mean? Yeah. I like where he basically threatens him and he's like, Look, I'm gonna get this kid either way, and either you pay or someone else is gonna pay more. Mm-hmm. And twenty five thousand ain't that much money for a, a baby, you know what I mean? Right. Uh, so I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah. Like that was like a scary, you know what I mean? Where he's just like, because at first I was like, oh, he's gonna hire him, and that's gonna be the plot. But then I like that he's kind of like he's the villain for everybody. Right. Like, right. You know, nobody wants him to get this baby. Yeah, I I did like the fact that they didn't like dumb down Nathan. That he, you know. Yeah, and it could have just been like, all right, I will hire you, you know. Mm-hmm, and he exactly. even tries to, and he's just like, listen, there's a reward. If you get him, claim it. Like, why are you even here talking to me? And yeah. then, you know, and he's just like, you know, he tells him, you know, I fetched $50,000 when I was a boy, and that was 1958 money, you know. So, uh, whatever. I don't know if it was 50000 but he said <laughs> some kind of number. And also, we also, uh, during the movie, are we're getting kind of glimpses of him hunting them down, where we see him the hair product that the the guys use in the bathroom oh and then he tracks them to hit their trailer and all that stuff so we pretty much already knows where the baby is mm-hmm. but i think more people are gonna know where the baby is and things get a little crazier but why don't we just tell the rest of this in the spoiler section <laughs> meanwhile back with the mcdonough's their relationships back in shambles again Ed tells the Ever Brothers she wants them out the next day, no matter what, because they're a bad influence on him. Skedaddle. <laughs> and then they go on and tell Hi that they have a new plan to rob a bank, and they want him in on it. But you know, it would, it would make him leave Ed. And you know, he interestingly says he's gonna. He's like, "You want me to up and leave Ed? That would be cowardly." But he doesn't say anything about the baby. Mm. I don't think he wants that baby. <laughs> but basically, Hi's kind of soul searching, realizing that he's. He's always going to be a fuck up and keep making these same mistakes. So he decides to leave and he leaves that note for Ed saying <laughs> goodbye. We find that his name is Herbert <laughs> when, he, when he signs the end of the thing. Oh, snap. I yeah. missed that. Oh, yeah. Well, you didn't even know his name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't know his fake name. I didn't know his real name. Yeah. 
so then the next day while they're planning to you know go do this heist they get a visit at the door and it's glenn his boss that who's now in a neck brace and a broken nose <laughs> and all that this guy looks so silly all cracked up yeah but um he's the first one to figure it out so. he is the first one to figure yeah. it out yeah um he basically is like Either I tell them who that baby really is or you give me that baby. Yeah. Because, you know, we know his wife wants another cuddler. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's very funny how, like, everybody kind of at some point gets the same idea of, like, wanting the baby for themselves. Right. You know, it's pretty hilarious where you would think you would just use it to extort him or something like that. But he's like, no, just give us the baby. Yeah. (laughs) But what's so funny is because he's blackmailing them with you have a stolen baby. But then, like, what would stop Nick Cage? H.I. from just... (laughs) doing it back to him you know when he has it yeah but whatever the more important thing is during all his screaming he says i'll give you a day to think about it the ever brothers over here yeah and then they immediately spring to action you know they, and yeah. I, it's right here where i was like they will definitely want the cash money yeah yeah for sure well i think that's what they were originally thinking where they were just like oh we can we can do something something with this mm-hmm. i don't know what yeah, and then I just love this uh, this crazy ass fight scene, <laughs> and then that goes here. Yo, God, how many fight scenes do you see where someone scrapes their their knuckles on the ceiling because they're fighting in such a small ass place? <laughs> okay, it was pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> and we get more of John Goodman scream. <laughs> oh my God, it's such a ridiculous scream. Like, how is he not on the WWE? You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so loud. Oh my god, they, uh, they they get the best of them and they take that baby and skedaddle. Mm-mm, and I'll, Ed is not going to be oh, happy yeah. with that. Ed comes over and then, yeah, hides just manicness of grabbing all the guns. He's like, we're going to get him back. We're going to go, let's go get Nathan Jr. <laughs> oh, I got something fun to add that I totally forgot to bring up earlier. Yeah? That I could tell you didn't catch. Craziest coincidence of all time. I did not plan this at all. <laughs> but did you catch the reference to night of the hunter in this movie no yo so there's the exact line from night of the hunter the first night that they have nathan jr and, and high is looking out the window and like the sun is setting and he goes sometimes it's it's a hard world for the little things that's exactly what no rachel way. says when, when the when the owl kills the rabbit yeah and it was you know like i said everybody all the prominent filmmakers of the 70s and 80s were influenced by that movie so that was their throwback to like we love this movie it's a hard world for little things whose name was rose Carter. sometimes it's a hard world for little things that's cool like, what the fuck are the odds that we just did that last week just did it yeah that's pretty insane. sweet yeah so yeah the ever brothers have the kid they're they're doing another stick up because they need huggies for them and then this scene is just great comedy. I love this guy that they're robbing. How calm he is. You know, and he's like, they're like, go on the floor and count to 800 and whatever. And they're like, get on the ground and count to 864. Oh, yeah. And then when you get back, count back to zero. And he's like, one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi. Nobody told him to count Mississippi this week. <laughs> Mississippi. Did you count Mississippi? And then just in case you wanted more John Goodman screaming, they forget the baby. And then they just scream the entire way home. Yeah, this was ridiculous. <laughs> I love the fact that you leave the baby in a car seat on top of the car, but it's like safely on the road, you know? Again, cartoon. Yeah, they do the classic uh, pulling up the car right before it hits the baby. Right. Yeah. And it's the they quickly fall in love with the baby. Yeah. 
big time. So, and I don't blame them because it's a freaking ridiculous, <laughs> ridiculously cute baby. Yeah, especially in the 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 earlier chase scene when Holly Hunter's driving and he's using the hoodie to like cover his eyes. Yeah, mad cute. This is the luckiest baby to ever get kidnapped. Like the fact that everybody you know could use him either to get more money or like. I don't know, for their own benefit, but at the end of the day, everyone just wants to take care of it. Yep. I wonder if that means anything. It probably doesn't. It's probably just for the sake of being silly. Probably, but also in that effort to make everyone sympathetic. Where like, mm, oh, you know, yes. Like they knew they were dealing with such a horrible crime mm-hmm. that they had to make it, A, lighthearted, but then B, like you actually kind of on some level like all these people. Mm, to yeah. some extent. Like, obviously... The Ever Brothers are pretty bad, and you, you know, like they're willing to beat up their friend to steal his baby, right? But it's still at the end of the day, like they don't mean the baby harm. Because if they did, we'd look at it way different. We wouldn't laugh at, at what yeah. they were doing. Like I'd, I'd say, I guess the only person who doesn't fall in love with the baby is Glenn. Yeah, Glenn's kind of the the one I don't really think falls into the whole give him a little sympathetic. Mm-hmm. Yes, but what do you end it? <laughs> and then yeah, so from here they're going to do their big heist at the bank, and they. uh <laughs> They decide to bring the baby with them because they're too worried that something will happen if they leave him behind again. <laughs> and then, yeah, this gets more hilarious scenes. This is the, <laughs> where you go, freeze and get on the ground. And then nobody moves. <laughs> like, which is it, sir? I reckon if I freeze, then I can't get moving to the ground. And if I move to the ground, I'll be in motion and I won't be freezing. <laughs> <laughs> and then finally, they get them all on the ground. It's like, oh, my God, where's all the tellers? We're down here on the ground, sir. <laughs> Uh, this yeah. is my kind of humor. Oh, it's such good comedy. <laughs> and they, yeah, they're robbing the place, but the lady slips in uh, an ink bomb on them. As they're driving away, the you know it explodes, fucks the whole car. <laughs> and I just love as they're driving, he's trying to wipe the windshield, but it won't go away. It's just like I've ne- those things are real, right? Yeah, yeah. All right, cool. They're normally they're usually put in briefcases that have a large sum of money, uh. and then if you open it up, it shoots the ink. But it's also a special kind of ink that if it's on paper. Uh, if it's on the money, then they know, like, it's stolen money. Oh, interesting. It's basically like it marks it, so you can't do anything with that money. It's basically, like, no good anymore. Wow. I don't know if they work like that, where they're just, like, this big, giant tube that tellers have that they can stick in a bag. <laughs> right. You know? So they might I've be... never seen that before. I don't think they quite look the way they look in this movie. I think that was just a prop. But, yeah, those things exist. Whoa. Learning new teams. Yeah. Did they also leave the baby behind again there? I can't remember. I think they did. Yeah, they did, because cause High and Ed find them. And then they go back to the to the bank where, and that's where we see Leonard finally show up. Yes. For the big the big showdown where he steals the baby. Oh boy. I love this. It's getting rowdy. <laughs> it's like a western show, like a crazy western showdown. Yeah, I love when he shows up and, and Ed says something about the biker, and he's just like, "You see him too?" <laughs> you know, and I was like, "That's great." <laughs> All right. But yeah, this is. I mean, you know, like I said, this guy represents everything. That high has been suppressing his whole life, <laughs> or really not suppressing. It's it's you know hiding from. Yeah, I d- I didn't come up with this one myself, but like it's been described a lot on the internet. Like this is his, this is his id. You know, like the way Freud describes it, where it's like this is your it's everything you have from birth. Like it's your instincts, it's it's your basic needs and like your basic urges and kind of like your primal self. Mm. And like it's not the logical part of you. And and you know it's it's the way they say that. So babies are only id. They have no ego yet because they don't know who they are or what the world is. So they just operate on, you know, they cry because they want, they they reach because they want, they, you know. Mm. So it's like, this is everything that, this is his id. And so, but his id isn't good because it's, it's all his bad impulses. It's his criminal lifestyle. It's his self-destructive behavior. It's, 
It's just, you know, running away from his problems, not facing responsibilities. And so, like, him standing up to fight it is, like, him finally defeating it. Like, and, and, and not letting it control his life anymore. Right. And then, you know, the main reason you know this, so the, the fight goes on a lot. It's very hilarious and zany and lots of, you know, li- knives are getting thrown. People are getting knocked off bikes and getting chased. Mm. But when he has Nick Cage and he's basically choking him to death, like, squeezing the life out of him. He pulls down the shirt and you see he has the same Woody Woodpecker tattoo as him, which to me is me. Like, I know it's it doesn't really make sense. It's a bit of a fantasy that the fact that he manifested this killer to come out of nowhere and everyone can see him. I don't really give a shit. Uh-huh. I, I think if that's the kind of movie they want to write, let's let's go full on fantasy. I accept it. So like that is it is like, he created Leonard Smalls, I think. Interesting. I, I love that a movie like this can have fan theories. Yeah. It's so weird. I don't even know if it's fan theory. Like, the fact that he even has the line of, like, you see him too? It's, like, it's very, like, pointed to that, like, the character of Hyde doesn't think this is a real person until you see, you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. It's so out of this world that and, I like, can't I, even. I know we don't get anything out of Hyde's past, but, like, the fact that the guy has the tattoo, like, Mama didn't love me or whatever. Oh, God. Like that. They did a close-up of that, like, five yeah, times. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but to stick with the, the, just the Looney Tune nature of it all. I love the way uh, he actually kills Leonard where when, when he pulls the pin out of the grenade and shows it to him. You know, the whole movie, Leonard's been super cool. He's had two pist- like two shotguns, one in each hand, looking badass. But then when he realizes the pins are out of his thing, he starts like fumbling with his guns and it looks mad silly and awkward. And it's like <laughs> the realisticness. Like if you're holding two guns, you can't really do anything else. And he, he's trying to put them down, but he can't. And then he blows up. <laughs> I just find it so funny. All the cool shit is just taken away. Yeah, demystified. it's gone. And uh, so, yeah, they survive. And then from there, we get the basic, basically the ending. Um, this was not an ending I was expecting. Really? Yeah. I did not think that they would sort of come to the conclusion that they needed to do the right thing. Really? Yeah. I I don't know why <laughs> I didn't think that. But, I mean, pretty cool. Uh, even, but they, even earlier, they had that conversation where she says to him, like, remember, because Holly Hunt, uh, Ed says to Hi, like, Seeing what it feels like for these guys to steal the baby from us doesn't make me think that, you know, maybe that's what Florence, Arizona feels, uh, you know? So even if it's too much to handle, that's true. she probably is pretty upset that we took her kid. And then she said, like, at the end of this, you know, whether or not we have the kid, you and I are, I don't think we should be together. Yeah, yeah. that's so true. I completely forgot about that scene, so and, never mind. <laughs> and that also kind of, I think, strengthens High's choice to stand and fight this bad guy because he already knows... He's fighting for something that he's not going to have because he's mm-hmm. told, like, no matter what happens, we're done. Yeah. So the old high probably would have been like, oh, cool, I'm off the hook and walked away. But instead, he, he stands and fights, you know? Right. Um, but yeah, so they go and return Nathan Jr. It looks like it's just going to be We think. This... Yeah, we think. <laughs> yeah, you think it's just going to be the sweet moment where they kind of say goodbye to him and leave. But then Nathan Arizona shows up with a gun. And I, I kind of love this scene. <laughs> And again, to him not being stupid, I like that he figures out that they're the ones who stole the baby without them having to say anything. Right. You know? They they just try to... At first, they do try to claim the reward, you know? <laughs> like, they try to take the easy way out again. Yeah. But he realizes, you know, he sees the wedding ring and he's like, you guys stole them. And they tell him the reason why. Um, and then I, he gives them time with him. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I know this whole scene was just really sweet. And mm. like, you know, and I like the... It's kind of the whole thesis of having characters who have good and bad flaws of kind of where he says like like they say we're we're splitting up because we're no good together like we only we're we're both selfish and and act hastily and cause trouble 
And then, you know, when he says, like, that may be true, but you did return my baby, so there might be some good, too, you know? And it's just kind of, like, looking at, like, yeah, you might, you're not perfect. He's not perfect. Like, no one's perfect, but, like, right. you, you got to see some good, too. And, like, maybe you guys aren't terrible. And then he kind of just implores them, like, don't go do something stupid, like, breaking up over this. And, like, that's kind of what I mean, where it's just a movie of them, like, learning to, like, I think this together. is where they realize, like, you know, we've always been searching for something to keep us together, but, like, we actually can live unselfishly and, and as a team, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah, and then they leave, go to bed, and then it's High's final dream. And I don't <laughs> know, what did you think of this last dream sequence? I was wondering if it would actually be, be their reality. Yeah. I mean, I know that he manifested that villain to life, but, <laughs> like, you know, knowing that she is barren, if that could actually happen. Um, but I thought it was a sweet dream to have. Yeah. And to sort of see them, you know, eventually having kids and grandkids and they're happily ever after, essentially. That and just and also like kind of like watching Nathan Jr. grow. And right. Like, you know, like not like kind of like just like being proud of, you know, him. As, as, yeah. You know, and all that. It's just really nice and sweet. Yeah. I really liked it. Um, you know, I love a happy ending. Yeah. And because his dreams have been nothing but turbulent up to this, it's nice that it's like nice and sweet. And because, like you said, where, in my opinion, I think is like he manifested the Leonard Smalls where, A, I don't see why he couldn't manifest the idea that maybe they will get pregnant someday. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Nathan even says, like, you got to keep trying at it until modern medicine catches up with you. And he's like, that's mm-hmm. what we did. And Lord knows it caught up to us with a vengeance. Like, yeah. so that to me made it seem like maybe they thought they were barren also. And then before you know, it, they had five kids. So, mm. you know, so I, I just I love like the sweetness of it all. And like, I just finally feel like these two. The whole movie, they're not right for each other. And in this final ending, I'm like, they've they've made it there. And, like, right. I buy it. And, uh, yeah, it's fucking sweet, man. Should we hop into Best Worst? Yeah, let's do it. I'm going to go one that was hard for me to pick best. And oh. it was also hard for me to pick worst, but for different reasons. One, because I couldn't find a lot. And one, because I found too many. <laughs> and it was Best Worst Sense of Fashion. Whoa. Yeah. Oh, man. I was not expecting that from you. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, best worst sense of fashion. So the reason I said this is I think everyone's got bad fashion in this movie. So my best, I ended up going with Holly Hunter only because her it's very plain, but it's not. Everyone else is just so bold and ridiculous. <laughs> I can't. I can't go with it. So uh, Holly Hunter had the best kind of. I mean, I will say I loved her hair oddly in this movie. Yeah, yeah. Like it was so cute. Um, with her cute bangs. That's so funny. I think I might agree with you there. For my worst, I'm going to have to go with that Leonard guy. Oh, Leonard Smalls? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's pretty bad. It's very bad. Just dirty. <laughs> <laughs> Just seemed like he needed a shower. Yeah. <laughs> you had trouble finding... Well, I don't know. It's it's probably Glenn and Dot. I think they're just... <laughs> They're just atrocious with their outfits. And not high. High's pretty bad too. <laughs> but I don't know. Glenn and Dot are top, and then I also put Gail and Everett just for the the greasy hair. Because in general, I find dudes with a lot of hair grease is kind of gross. It's kind of <laughs> like nasty and like greasy. <laughs> you know, it's just oily and nasty. Yeah. But when they did it with the shit in their hair, it was just it was it was like oh that like you're that into your fashion style where you'll put grease in your hair when there's already shit in your hair. Yeah. You guys are disgusting. <laughs> So, it's all uh, about appearances. Yeah, so I don't, uh, <laughs> I don't fuck with, with that grease. <laughs> that grease lightning. Aww. All right, what's your best worst? Interesting. Um, obviously, the baby ends up in many hands throughout this movie. Yeah. So my, I just chose best worst caretaker. Ooh, I like that. That's a good one. 
honestly, even though they got the baby for the wrong reasons, I do think that at the end of the day, Holly's character, Ed, did in fact care for and love that baby the most, even more so than its actual parents. Yeah. From what we've seen, you yeah, know, yeah, we, yeah. We, we obviously don't see how they treated their kids throughout, but like just having that scene where they were like, what's going on upstairs and not really like checking on them until like, it's really like ridiculous yeah. sounding. Sorry. I just, <laughs> just cause it, it uh, we didn't bring up the joke before and it made me laugh every time is when they do hear those noises upstairs and we haven't even seen the babies yet. And, and Nathan just goes, sounds like Larry. <laughs> and then we go up and there's five babies and they're called like Larry, Harry. Like just from the bumps, you know, like, you know, your newborn baby sounds like Larry. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know. All right, Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I gotta, I gotta go with you. That yeah, Ed is probably the best caretaker for that baby. Just because at the end of the day, she would do anything to keep it safe. And even like when Gail and Everett are well intentioned, they're still morons, <laughs> and they're gonna like leave the baby places, absolutely, and like take it into robberies and you know yeah. all that shit. Um, so that's hilarious. And then worst only because he technically gets it for a second is Leonard Smalls. He does get the baby on his motorcycle. He does. And, on the motorcycle. And he would have sold that in baby the front. in a second. Absolutely. Like just safety out the window. Yeah, Intentions so he, out the window. He is the worst. <laughs> I had another one where I, I couldn't think of a worst just because I love this movie so much. Look at look I look know, how know, the tables turn. No, the other one I had a worst. There's no, I know, lot. but it's usually me and know, you make fun of me. Well, I was going to say, I don't even think I'll do this one because it was supposed to be like my favorite, I said best worst like shot or sequence in a movie, like from a filmmaking standpoint. Okay. But I did it because I wanted to not forget to talk about two scenes, but I already talked about them to death. So oh. it's the dream sequence where we've introduced to Leonard and then all the babies in the room. I just think they're both shot fantastic and uh -huh. so creative and I love it. Uh, but I really can't think of a worst. Like I can't think of a part of the movie where I was like, oh, that was ugly or like they didn't need to shoot it that way. Or hmm. I like. I love all the chase scenes. I love everything at the house. I love their the crazy wide angle lenses to make people look crazy. <laughs> like I love it all. I love the prison stuff. I guess I'm with you there. I yeah. can't really think of a worse either. But my favorite is probably the baby scene as well. Yeah, I, just, I never because <laughs> I've seen like silly like you know baby geniuses and babies day out. There's a lot of silly movies of babies, but like it's never shot that dynamic before. Like I was yeah. like real like whoa, where these babies going? You know. <laughs> If I wanted to be a jerk, my worst would, if I had to choose one, would probably be the breaking out scene. Ah, it's the <laughs> best. Come on. I just, I, I was rolling my eyes the whole time, <laughs> if I'm being honest. Ah, <laughs> yeah. Ah, come on. I wanted to see John Goodman be birthed from the earth like an orc. <laughs> I'm good. Is that, isn't he in that horror movie? He's in a lot of horror movies. Is he? Or eh, not really. Which one are you talking about? I'm seeing green. Ten Cloverfield Lane. Yes. Wow. <laughs> wow. We should be on one of those game <laughs> shows where it's like, what is she thinking? <laughs> I don't know. We've tried that with like heads up, and then you often go, "Ooh, you love this movie," and that's the only clue you give me. <laughs> <laughs> I just, but I just said I'm thinking green, and you said Ten Cloverfield Lane. That was pretty. Good. I also, I was thinking too. I'm like, he's not a lot of harm. <laughs> Whenever I think of that movie that I've never seen before, I'm going to think that it's this, but ah, horror. I love it. <laughs> exactly. Oh, I love that scream. That's going to be a new ringtone. Oh, God. Sean Goodman. No. Ah! <laughs>
Uh, the only other one I have is uh, Best Worst Baby. <laughs> and for Best, uh, it's Nathan Jr., I think. <laughs> and uh, the rest, uh, they're, they're almost as good as Nathan Jr. That's right. the worst. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right, cool. I think Larry's the best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's all he, I got. He, he definitely has the most character. Yeah. All right. Beyond? Cool. Beyond the credits? Yeah. <laughs> This isn't truly a beyond the credits, but I do think that this is a great place for me to mention how ridiculous my mind went at one point in the movie. All right. At the point of the movie where we are not sure yet that Leonard is a real person, uh-huh. when he shows up in Nathan's office, for some reason, Nathan came across as looking older to me. Uh-huh. So for some reason, I thought that Leonard was like... The grown-up baby. Yeah. Because uh. <laughs> he had like these bright blue eyes, and I was like... This is a weird turn. That's hilarious. That'd be crazy. <laughs> yeah, it was would, pretty I ridiculous. Hate it. I wouldn't Because I was it. like, I guess we're jumping to the future, like, and he's coming to see like his dad, and like, I don't know That's where hilarious. my mind was going. That's great. That'd be but, pretty cool. <laughs> but um, as far as beyond the credits go, I do. I, I think we kind of covered it a little bit in terms of, you know, whether or not his dream is real. Yeah. I'd like to think that it is. Yeah. Um, so that's sort of like where my beyond goes. I kind of am the same way. Um, and it's also part of it's just because I really like these characters in this movie and like I, I like the journey they go on. So, mm-hmm. so much bad shit happens to them. And it's they're doing like they didn't have to steal the baby. But <laughs> it's just it's it makes me happy to know that to like to imagine that. They kind of put all this shit behind them. They like get get the normal life they wanted, but for the right reasons. Right. And uh, whether it be adoption or if she miraculously can just start having babies again for some reason. Yeah. Um, I don't know which which one's the answer. I do have a question for you though. Yeah. As far as the Cohen brothers go, do they ever do sequels for their movies? No. All right. They they do seem like standalone movie yeah. kind of guys. Yeah. I don't. No. There's not. There's not. Yeah. Interesting. There's like a sort of spin-off sequel to Big Lebowski that came out last year, but they didn't have anything to do with that. Ah. But even outside of that, I can't even think of any other times their movies like and like someone else continued them. Okay. Even their worst movies like you're getting something sweet. I think it's just it just seems like whatever they do it's original. Yeah. Like even like I I wasn't that crazy about Hail Caesar and a lot of people weren't. That was actually like a pretty low a reviewed movie in 2016 that came I remember the art for it. Yeah. With but, the freaking um, George Clooney. But it's still, like, unique and kind of cool. Like, you know, it's not like you're getting something crazy. Like, it's not like anything else. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was a pretty bland beyond the credits. But yeah, I got, I, I just think, it's, uh, yeah, it's all good. Yeah. So, I don't know. Kind of my final thoughts before I pass this one off to you. Like I said, this literally in my top five comedies of all time. I think this is like a perfectly crafted comedy. It does exactly what I'm looking for in my comedies, which is it's not afraid to get silly, which is kind of my favorite thing in comedies. You know, I, I love a kind of smart, sophisticated comedy. But at the end of the day, I still, you know, I'm a fan of Monty Python and, and fucking, you know, Jerry Zucker type stupid shit at also. <laughs> so this movie just fits that mold for me. But at the same time, while it is silly, it doesn't forget to be an actual real movie. It's the same reason why Shaun of the Dead is my favorite comedy, where a movie is so over the top and silly, but like I cry when Shaun has to take his mom out, you know? Spoiler! Yeah, right. Um, (laughs) Movie's like 20 years old. but so same thing with this where it's like I literally like watching that end dream sequence like I not that I cry but like I literally like feel real emotions like stuff that I don't get when I watch like a Wayne's World which mm. is one of the funniest movies to me like ever but it skips that point of being real characters I care about it's just a joke machine 
And this is one of the great comedies that transcends that. It's joke machine for sure. Everybody, like, even that last chase sequence when everything's serious and Holly Hunter is running from Leonard Smalls for his life and she runs into the to the bank and the guy goes, just get down on the floor there, Missy. Like, you know, they're all still just, <laughs> it's like the nicest town folk ever. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, to me, it's like kind of when we were talking about Psycho where, like, remember how Hitchcock, you know, very non-humbly said, the reason I made Psycho is because I thought, what if, a master like me made a, a genre of movie that's normally a B movie right. that masters don't usually make. He didn't use those words, but so that's kind of what I looked at this where like, this could be a very kind of just dumb, forgettable movie. It could be just, you know, just through whoever was famous through Michael Keaton in it, through Tom Hanks in it, just, you know, run of the mill, right. but because like the Coen brothers are some of the best filmmakers of their generation. And I think working currently, it's it's fucking it's made with the craft of the Godfather, but it's silly as fuck. Right, and I love that. I love I love when people respect comedy. So that's one of the reasons why I think it's so awesome. I love a movie where I can tell that it accomplished what it was going for. So I don't think everyone will love this movie. I'm not saying like if you don't like this movie, don't find it funny. You have a bad sense of humor. I'm not saying any of that shit. But I think the movie ended up being exactly what they had planned in their head. It wasn't a happy accident. It wasn't, you know, just like, ooh, we kind of... Like, you can tell these guys meticulously put this movie together. And if it's your cup of tea, I just can't imagine that, like, you don't like it. I think every actor in this is perfectly cast. There's nobody that makes me roll my eyes and not want to watch it. Every camera movement is deliberate and on point. Pacing is perfect. Every scene leads to the next. There's no filler or fluff. And at the end of the day... The comedy is my sense of humor, so I find it fucking hilarious. Like, I, you know, you give me six months to forget a little bit, and then I will be cracking up watching it again. Um, but, Masha, some of the reasons why I thought you might enjoy this is, A, I just thought you responded well to the humor in Burn After Reading, which isn't exactly the same humor, but it's the same guys who wrote it, so I kind of figured maybe I'd kind of hit you there. I know you love... Anytime you see young, young, the youngest version of an actor, you know. <laughs> so I knew just seeing a young Nicolas Cage and young Holly Hunter were gonna, you know, just be make you be like, oh snap, and Francis McDormand and all that. So I just was kind of hoping the, the cast, and then really I was just kind of hoping just the the quality filmmaking of it all would get to you. I wasn't entirely convinced the humor was gonna hit you. I know we don't always share the exact same sense of humor with certain things, and it might be a little too silly and. Cl- you know, case in point, John John Goodman coming out of the <laughs> bur- being birthed out of the ground. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. I just thought kind of the the how polished the movie seems to me in terms of a filmmaking standpoint, and then from a storyline, as silly as it gets, it has a very sweet heart to it, and a nice little message, and everyone's kind of good hearted, and no one's really like an asshole or a piece of shit. So I kind of was thinking maybe that would help. You, you would kind of like relate to these characters a little bit more than a, just a normal kind of crime movie where everyone's shitty and it's supposed to be hilarious. Mm. So I thought, you know, you don't always like, you don't, you're not 100% always on board with like bad natured comedy for no reason. You know, it has to be really good comedy. So I thought that would kind of sell it to you. But I mean, I could ramble on more and more, but I already went nuts about this. <laughs> so Masha, I reckon, <laughs> do you love what I love? I love it. Well, I'll be Andy Marvel. You reckon you can show me a weird movie like this with weird comedy? You're just trying to watch a decent movie with decent folks. <laughs> I'm just trying to watch a decent movie with decent folks. <laughs> yeah, this movie was very weird. <laughs> I was not 
ready. Weir- I don't weir- think weirder than burn after reading. It was. I yeah. actually would argue that it is. It is. <laughs> I do appreciate the filmmaking. Like I do recognize how awesome and specific the Coen brothers were with every single shot, with the script, um, with delivery, just all the characters. They just felt like real people. <laughs> like it really did feel like we were going in this town and as cartoonish as the world was, it still felt like authentic. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of really appreciate that. I do think that the humor was just a little too silly for me <laughs> to really love it. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I just... When you're killing me in the polls lately, I, you don't love nothing. I listen. I loved other things. Like I loved what I love. Chasing Amy two two episodes ago. Come on, you gotta get it. Fair enough. But I I spent a lot of time shaking my head or rolling my eyes at some of the humor. First example, John Goodman. You know, being birthed, um, the, the ridiculousness of, the of Leonard as the villain, and just—I mean—the baby humor brought me back. The bank robbery scene and the um, was really hilarious. Nick Cage just and Holly Hunter just delivering, but yeah, I just I thought you were gonna say that. <laughs> yeah, that part exactly. But like, yeah, Holly Hunter's ridiculous crying from her fiance (laughs) to, you know, seeing the baby for the first time. Like, I freaking love that. But at the end of the day, I can't say that I love this movie. But, I mean, hey. Sounds like to me if John Goodman wasn't in it, you would love it. No, that's not true. You just listed, like, nine good things and then one thing you didn't like, which was John Goodman. No, no. I I think that, I don't know what Ah! was. (laughs) Yeah, I hate this movie. No, just kidding. (laughs) I'm sorry, Andy. John I Goodman's, love you. John Goodman's a national treasure. <laughs> no, I think John Goodman's awesome. All right. <laughs> oh, you're so salty right now. But I, like I said, I appreciate everything about this movie. I just, it's not, it's not my cup of tea. All right, folks. Damn, he's not even going to accept what I said. He's going straight for what, the end. What am I going to say? <laughs> yeah, you don't love it. Are we in a fight? <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not. No You're like this. This is top movie, top five movie of all time, best comedy ever. No one can beat the Coen Brothers. If you're like, you're <laughs> like, it's not as funny as Legally Blonde. I'm, I'm not gonna diss you if you yeah. don't like it, but I mean, it's the best movie of all time. That's all. I'm yeah, saying. I mean, it just sucks. It's not as funny as Big Fat Liar. I mean, <laughs> okay, fine. You can end this. All right, I'm just saying. I'm saying. I'm saying. I'm saying. Can we end this? Yes. All right. I respect your opinion of not loving this movie. <laughs> All right. Folks. No eye contact. <laughs> Nobody knows that's a podcast. <laughs> Yo, we can wrap this up. All right, People got to right. go home. All right, folks. The audience has to go home. I assume they won't go home until the podcast yeah. ends. <laughs> All right, folks. That's our show. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoy our podcast, please be sure to subscribe and tell a friend. Also, if you have the time, please take a moment to rate and review. Every bit of feedback helps. I'm Masha. And I'm Andy. And I hope you love what I love. Sweet home, Arizona. That's more like, yee. <laughs> That's how the song goes. Yeah. <laughs> I can't, I can't yodel. <laughs> Yodeling. Yodeling.
I didn't know yodeling. What are you talking about? That's, that's like, a good yodel. That's like Adam Sandler yodeling. Yodeling, yodeling, yodeling. That's a yodel, okay? Yeah, that's like, I don't know. It's like, <laughs> it's like generic yodel. Damn, that's not real yodeling. No support in the relation. She's not a real yodeler. You think they're going to be like, yodeling, yodeling? That's some TV shit. <laughs> like, real yodeling probably got some class to it. <laughs>